This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an opportune podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the podcast. I want to make sure that you're getting all the opportune content you desire as you're listening along. So make sure you're going to our website, opportune.com. Again, opportune.com for more information on our solutions and services and, of course, more opportune content. And if you like the podcast... Go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just look up E2B, Energy to Business. You'll find us. Hit that button. Have a full catalog of previous episodes as well as notifications when we drop new ones. So let's get right into the meat for today's episode. I'm pleased to welcome Dean Price, a partner at Opportune and an expert on the broader energy transition that is currently facing the industry. Today, he's joining us to share his thoughts on the energy industry and how the energy transition is impacting oil and gas industries in the short and long term, and how clean tech and hydrocarbons are coexisting today in the eventual transition away from fossil fuels. So, Dean Price, great to have you on. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Pleasure getting to chat today. So, let's get into the weeds here. When did the energy transition conversation begin uh, or, you know, at least hit the mainstream at a level where it became a point of national conversation uh, with more countries embracing this movement? Um, you know, I think it's great to get some context on where this started. Well, I think when we think about it, we're hearing more in the media today than we've ever heard before on the energy transition. We're hearing countries talk about it, the United States talking about it, states talking about it, and corporations talking about it. But when we look at the United States, energy transition, I will contend, started over 20 years ago. When you think back in the states began to deregulate their power industry and allow competitive power in their states, it, it gave rise to independent power producers coming in and building power plants in the respective states that deregulated. As such, that part of the business started back in the late 90s. And as the companies began building these power plants to replace the old, less efficient coal plants, the demand for natural gas really grew. And natural gas became something that we we needed a greater supply of. At that time, the United States was short on gas. And so we began conversion and LNG facilities began being built. When those facilities began being built, they were going to be import facilities. We're going to import LNG and regasify it. Well, along at that same time frame or thereabouts, all of a sudden the advancement in technology and drilling technology came along and we were able to begin to exploit some of these resource plays, these unconventional resource plays. And when that happened, the first first, uh, resource plays that we were able to exploit were natural gas. So we went from being natural gas short to natural gas long, and those LNG facilities were ultimately converted to uh, export facilities. So now we're a net exporter of gas. So as we think about it, this transition started over 20 years ago, along with this deregulation in the you know the in this power sector. States began to enact renewable portfolio standards, which required. A, a certain percentage 
of electric purchases to be renewable. And at that time, wind was, was the most prevalent uh, renewable source. So as you think back in time, we, we began this transition much longer than really has been published in, published in the media. Do you see this conversation of an energy transition sticking around for many years to come? Or do you imagine that it's going to fade out? Uh, you know, do, do you see the, the pressure for that transition being something that you know, continues to be applied, basically? I don't think energy transition is going away. You start to hear companies talk about being carbon neutral, decarbonization, it is quite the buzzword that we hear in the media. So I think it's here to stay. But I think one of the things that people can't overlook, especially natural gas, is that hydrocarbons have to be part of that equation. Uh, if you think about how prevalent it is in our everyday lives, it would be hard to just turn that off and just go to totally renewable. If we look at hydrocarbons, which in context are coal, natural gas, crude oil, for example, it doesn't really look like they're going to be going away anytime soon, even in this broader conversation of a transition. And to some degree, we'll continue to play a role in the contributing energy transition over the long term. But how can renewables such as solar, wind or biofuels be a viable complement to fossil fuel use amid this growing public and investor pressure to incorporate clean tech and renewable investments in the next, you know, let's say five to 10 years? Well, first of all, we have to realize that the decarbonization process will take time and hydrocarbons, as I said earlier, will have to be part of this process. I think as we think about our everyday lives and I think about my household, my, the appliances, some, you know, the appliances I have, certain other parts of the house that we use have use natural gas. And when you think about that, you know, it can't just, you can't just turn that off or you'd have to buy new appliances and new, a lot of new things that would be fired by electricity. So if you think about that part of our equation, we're, we are very much users of natural gas. For the most part, most Americans right now still drive fossil fuel cars. So when you, if you want to drive to work or you know, drive out of town, you're using gasoline. If you want to travel by air, we're consumers of jet fuel. So until we find alternatives for all that, then we're going to continue to have to use hydrocarbons as part of the mix. I think also thinking about it, if you look at the industries, manufacturing, trucking, airlines, mining, all of those industries require a tremendous amount of fossil fuels. And so, again, to just turn that off would be a very difficult process. So this is going to happen over time. And I think at that point, we will renewables will be a complement to that, but won't be a total replacement uh, in this, certainly not in the next five to 10 years. I think another point to, to be made, which was, I found out something very interesting the other day, the airline industry is the number one user of fossil fuels and the mining industry is the number two. When you think about the mining industry, as we're talking about electric vehicles and ion lithium batteries, lithium is a mine product. So an industry that is a heavy user of fossil fuels would have to totally change their mode of operation. So I think as we think about this, it's going to be a complement over the next five to 10 years. I think renewables will become more part of the energy mix, but it won't be replacing it in total. Would you consider the best path forward being a sort of, quote, all of the above approach? Yes or no? Why or why not? I think all of the above approach is, is absolutely. The short answer is yes. I don't think there's any way around it. I think where we are today 
Uh, we've gone this far. I think it's going to continue moving down the path. But I think, again, this is, this is a, a compilation of different energy types and that, again, over time, things will change, but it's not going to change dramatically in the short run. And I think if it I think as we also think about this, if we make a wholesale switch, it'll be very costly. And I think ultimately the loser in this will be the consumer. Another important aspect here is considering how natural gas will play into this transition. It's widely touted as a bridge fuel to try to reduce emissions by uh, edging out coal, for example, as an electricity source and diesel fuel as well. Do you see natural gas having any sort of meaningful contribution to the energy transition in the next 10 to 20 years? And does it uh, match up to that uh, vision uh, of a bridge fuel that's often touted? I don't think there's any question that natural gas has a major role to play. And I think it has a major role to play for an extended period of time. It's a clean burning fuel. As I said, you know, when we talk about, again, the power side, the fossil fuel side of our, of our power generation, uh, the majority of our power in the United States is still generated by fossil fuels. So when you think about it, it, it that number's roughly about 70%. You would have to replace, just to stay even, you would have to replace all that. And to meet demand, you'd have to increase, increase uh, capacity. Uh, that would be an expensive ordeal, and I'm not sure that we across this country could absorb all that uh, in one fell swoop. So I think renewables will be an increasing component of power generation. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think it has to be additive to the existing power infrastructure we have uh, rather than totally replacing it. I think it needs to be cost effective, and I think there needs to be part of it has to be storage so that we can store that power. So I think as we think about this, I think natural gas has a significant role in the energy transition. I think over the time, given our abundant supply, uh, we have the capacity to meet demand, whatever that demand is, for residential, industrial uses, for power generation, and and as a potential source of fuel uh, for vehicles. Do you think that competition from batteries for electric vehicles, for example, and power storage and power use uh, from solar and wind opportunities are going to be a viable replacement to natural gas? Or do you think they're going to be a secondary complement in this broader transition? I think they have to be a complement. I don't think we can replace all the power generation that we have cost effectively I think it, it has to be a complement. I don't think there's any way that it can be the, the total replacement of existing capacity, particularly as it relates to fossil fuels and natural gas. I also want to get your thoughts on ESG investing, which uh, for the uninitiated is environmental, social, and corporate governance investing. So ESG investing appears to be an unavoidable and uh, ever-expanding presence in the backdrop Hence, the growing number of oil and gas companies like BP and Equinor that have explicitly embarked on long-term energy transition journeys and concurrently are seeing massive gains in renewable energy and clean tech stock. So do you think that ESG and sustainability investing are going to be a permanent fixture among energy portfolios in the year to come? Or do you see them as a, you know, quote, flash in the pan? Uh, I don't see them as flash in the pan. I certainly think it's there. Uh, ESG has become very commonplace acronym, and I think the media uses it. Corporations are using it. And investors are thinking about it. And I think companies like BP that have announced their goal to be carbon neutral by 2050, that is a goal that they've set. 
But I think it will require, you know, a substantial investment on their part into a renewable portfolio or whatever means that they see to be part of this carbon neutral goal. That said, I don't believe that they're going to totally eliminate hydrocarbons from their portfolio uh, to reach their goal. And I think the same about other companies that have similar goals. Uh, They're still going to have hydrocarbons in their mix. As far as is it here, is it permanent? Yes. Uh, Investors are requiring companies to now report on their ESG initiatives, and and they're now expecting to see tangible results. I think uh, for those companies that are not providing that to their investors, ultimately, uh, they will see a move to companies that are meeting or exceeding those ESG goals. Within ESG, and more specifically the E, environmental part of ESG, we're seeing more high-profile trends for fossil fuel divestment. For example, Dow Jones removed Exxon from their index fund, their pension fund divestments, etc. So while this may be a marginal issue for the vast majority of the world's publicly traded oil and gas companies, is there anything that we need to take away from this trend moving forward? Do you see any sort of correlation with the sector's recent underperformance due to the downturn and COVID? Yeah, I think investors are moving away from publicly traded oil and gas companies to focus their investments in other sectors considered environmentally friendly. But more importantly, I think the the movement away from the oil and gas sector has really been their recent underperformance. I don't think that fossil fuel companies have delivered returns that typical investors expect. And I think we're starting to see that those investors are looking elsewhere for those opportunities. In terms of the impact of COVID, I think it certainly has impacted the energy business because we've reduced in 2020, we've seen a significant reduction in demand for crude oil, uh, which is turning again negatively impacting the oil and gas companies, you know, the public oil and gas companies stock. So I think broadly, I think it's underperformance rather than so much the move away from energy or hydrocarbon-based stocks. Last main point I want to run by you today is renewables have historically and to this day, still often rely on federal and state support in the form of mandates or other tax incentives to prop up the sector. Um, For example, we've seen this in the renewable fuel standard for biofuels. We've seen this in the renewable portfolio standards uh, for state level renewable mandates. We've seen this for electric vehicle consumer tax credits, residential solar panel installation tax credits, et cetera, et cetera. So do you think it's time for these state and federal policies to go so that they can compete head on with hydrocarbons? Or do you see these as an essential piece of supporting renewable energy and the long term energy transition away from fossil fuels? I think it remains politically favorable to provide tax incentives at both the state and the federal level to the renewable industry, encouraging the investment and providing economic incentives to compete with the hydrocarbon sources of energy. You know, for example, gas fire generation is more cost effective on a megawatt hour basis than wind or solar. However, with incentives, you know, that differential is less. I think the further the incentives encourage investment and provide investors the opportunity in renewables to get positive economic returns, and I think that would be that's helpful for these renewable companies to to attract investors. I think without the the incentives, the renewables are a higher cost alternative and will ultimately impact the consumer on that side of it. 
hopefully over time, technological advances will come into play and narrow that gap and hopefully eliminate these incentives. I think it's a little bit unfair uh, long long term to keep those incentives in place, but I think in the short run, uh, those won't be going away. All right, Dean Price, any final thoughts today for our listening audience on uh, any of the most important factors that are going to continue to influence the energy transition and ways that professionals in the industry can start to think about uh, intersections between hydrocarbons and fossil fuels and renewable energy uh, as we look forward toward this transition? Well, I think when we think again about the energy transition, I think hydrocarbons are going to have a role. That role may be diminished over time, and certainly natural gas is going to be a big player in this process as it is a clean burning fuel. I think as we look forward, I think we need to continue to make investments there so that we can remain energy independent from that standpoint to continue our buildup of our reserves on the natural gas side because it will ultimately be a very important part of our overall uh, energy policy or practice going forward. I don't see any other way around that because we can't just eliminate the hydrocarbons from from the industry. And also, when you start thinking about electric vehicles, you start thinking about that conversion from from fossil fuel vehicles to electric vehicles, that's going to be an enormous proposition over time. So I think we have to think about all the component parts. Well, there'll be a transition away from some of this. It won't happen overnight. And I think when companies are setting target goals of 2050, well, that's 30 years away. That's sooner than you really think. And it will take that much time to, to have a a transition that really starts to reduce our our dependence on hydrocarbons. All right, Dean Price, partner with Opportune, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast and giving us your thoughts on the broader energy transition, some of the current trends, and how we will continue to see renewable energy integrated into the transition. Uh, If folks want to find out more about the energy transition, hear a little bit more about your thought leadership, or just get in touch for your perspectives, how can they find you? How can they learn more? Certainly reach out to us uh, at opportune.com or reach out to us individually. Uh, We're happy to uh, respond and discuss uh, any of the topics that uh, that we bring forth in our podcast. Sounds great. Dean Price, thank you again for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you everyone for joining us today on another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an opportune podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, go to our website, opportune.com, again, opportune.com for more information on solutions, services, and other pieces of opportune content like E2B episodes, videos, articles, blogs, and more. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B and we'll catch you next time.